You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about how lucky we are to live in the land of the free as opposed to an autocratic country like Russia or China. You see, in Putin's Russia, the press isn't free. Instead, it serves the interests of the regime on whose behalf it spreads lies and propaganda. Can you imagine? Even worse is communist China. In communist China, citizens are under constant surveillance. The government knows pretty much every single move they make, regardless of any nominal rights to privacy. In Russia and China, citizens don't have a practical right to free speech. Even if they have such a right in theory, if they ever contradict the prevailing orthodoxy of the regime, they can be censored and kicked out of the public square. In those kinds of countries, agents of the state even deny parents' right to raise their own children. Law enforcement persecutes people for their traditional religious beliefs. And most brazenly of all, evil autocrats like Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin jail their political opponents. Thank goodness we don't live in a country like that. Got a lot coming up to talk about. Uh, President Trump has just made a really interesting statement about Ukraine that is going to shake up not only the race, but is shaking up Republican Party orthodoxy on foreign matters. A lot being shaken up these days, especially in the economy. That's why you got to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. This month, we have seen the second largest bank failure in the U.S. Things are extremely turbulent right now. And the stock market hates turbulence. You need to diversify at least some of your assets into precious metals. Gold is a tangible asset with a reliable store of value because it's not tied to any one economy or currency. It can be a safe haven in times of crisis. Birch Gold makes it easy to roll over your IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver. This is the last week that if you buy gold, you can get a free safe to store it in. On qualifying purchases now through March 31st, Birch Gold will ship a free safe directly to your door. Text Knowles, Canada WLES, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free safe. If you're interested in gold, this would be the time to look into it. With your retirement at stake, you want to be confident in the financial services companies that you work with, including who you choose for purchasing physical precious metals. Text Knowles, Canada WLES, to 989898 and protect your savings with gold today. Thank goodness we don't live in a country like, oh, look, what does this card say right here? It says uh, President Trump might be arrested on Tuesday. Huh, that's weird. Uh, this, according to President Trump, though, it, it comes after an NBC report that prosecutors in New York are preparing to indict Trump. What are they going to indict him over? Is it Russia collusion? Is it Ukraine collusion? Is it his classified documents that Biden apparently had uh, multiples of at his home? That didn't really matter. It was only when Trump had it that was a bad thing. Uh, no, no, it's none of that. The libs in New York are looking to indict Trump over his hush money payment to Stormy Daniels back in 2016. They've gone through so many attempts to try to get Trump, they're now onto reruns. They're now going back to the originals. And so what's the, what's the issue here? Why is it a crime for Trump to pay Stormy Daniels? Well, he paid it through Michael Cohen, who is his former attorney who sang like a songbird and, now, and completely turned on Trump, broke under pressure, and, 
got a slightly more lenient treatment, apparently, by the uh, liberals than he otherwise would have would have gotten. He says that he made the payment on Trump's behalf to Stormy Daniels to keep her quiet about an alleged 2006 affair that they had. Then Cohen pleaded guilty to related charges and served time in prison. Why is it a crime? Because the payment was listed as a legal expense and the company cited a retainer agreement with Cohen. But the, this particular retainer apparently did not exist. Even though Cohen was Trump's lawyer for a long time, there was no legal retainer uh, in this particular incident. And so Trump may have committed a misdemeanor of falsifying business records. A report said that Trump personally signed several checks to Cohen while he was serving as president. Now, a misdemeanor. Why are you going to arrest the former president and the current chief rival to the sitting president over a misdemeanor? Well, they can elevate it to a felony if they can prove that Trump's, quote, intent to defraud included an intent to commit or conceal a second crime. And the libs are arguing that the second crime is that the $130,000 hush money payment to Stormy Daniels was actually an improper political contribution because he was making the payment to keep her quiet during the campaign. So it's as though it were an improper uh, donation to the campaign, which again is bogus. Pretty much every campaign finance matter is bogus because money is fungible. So if, if you if you give X amount of money to a candidate's campaign committee, that can land you in prison. But if you give 10 times that amount of money to a super PAC, that's totally fine. If one group gives money, it's okay. If an individual or a different group gives money, that can, that can be a big problem. So it's all basically bogus. But the reason this is especially bogus is that Trump is the candidate and candidates can give as much money to their campaigns as they want. So even if the prosecutors in New York argue that this was an improper donation to the campaign, maybe it was done through a kind of improper channel. Maybe the paperwork was a little bit off, but it's still Donald Trump donating to his own campaign. It's so patently absurd. It's so obvious that the Democrats here just want to stop the people from having a chance to reelect Donald Trump because they're afraid that if Trump can appear on a ballot, they're afraid that if Trump can mount a real presidential campaign, that the people will vote for him. And so they're doing everything they can. They tried to disqualify him using the 14th Amendment. They tried to uh, they, they had multiple suits to try to keep him off the ballots in different states around the country. They have tried to impeach him multiple times. They try, Now they're trying to lock him into prison, from, from which place he could still run for president, but obviously would hurt his campaign if he were stuck in a jail cell instead of holding rallies. It's so obvious that these guys fear Trump and want to do everything they can to prevent the people from having a choice, that this is the silver lining of this whole storm cloud. The silver lining is that I think we can finally dismiss once and for all, all the r ridiculous piffle that the Democrats tell us about our sacred democracy. Our, D Donald Trump and the Republicans are a threat to our sacred temples of democracy, our cherished norms. We don't act like this in America. We're better than this. No, you're not better than this. You're breaking all the norms. You are undermining our allegedly sacred democracy. You're jailing your political opponents like a two-bit dictator in a banana republic, which 
some of us conservatives have observed for a long time. So, okay, that's how they want to play? Fine. I do not want to hear it anymore about our sacred democracy or any of that other stuff. Don't want to hear it one little bit. What should the Republicans do in response? I think that a Republican governor, or more precisely, I guess, a Republican attorney general, should arrest a prominent criminal lib. There is no shortage of candidates of prominent liberal politicos who have committed crimes. Look around the Clinton circles, look around the Biden circles, look at Clinton and Biden themselves. Plenty of big criminal libs out there who have completely gotten off the hook, and there are plenty of Republican governors and attorneys general out there. I think you would need a Republican governor as well as an attorney general, because if the attorney general uh, indicts a big prominent criminal lib, and, and there's a Democrat governor, the Democrat governor will apply political pressure or eventually probably just pardon the criminal lib. So I think you, you need to have a Republican governor there as well. But let's do it. Let's, let's indict a big criminal lib. Let's, invo- let's indict two of them. That They are going after our guy. Let's go after five of their guys. There's no risk here. Some people push back against this suggestion. They say, well, we're better than them, Michael. We're, yeah, sure, I think we are better than them. I'm not suggesting we do anything illegal or unjust. I'm not saying we go after an innocent lib. I'm saying we should go after a criminal lib against whom the law has not been applied. The argument against doing that is that we want to preserve our norms and we don't want to live in a country where we throw the, the vanquished political opposition into orange jumpsuits. I agree. I don't want to live in that country. But the only reason for which we should be concerned about that norm is if the norm continues to exist. The libs are breaking that norm. That's not our fault. We have nothing to say. We're saying don't violate the norm. Don't, don't start arresting the opposition leaders in our country. But if they're, if they're going to do that, then we've got to play the game. Otherwise, we're just surrendering to the people who are abusing our political system the most. So, okay, they want to indict Trump? Fine. I, I want to see every Republican governor and attorney general with the political capital, with the power to do so, to indict prominent criminal libs. And I think you should indict multiple and you should throw the book at them and you should find every stupid little fake misdemeanor charge and you should trump it up as high as you possibly can. Okay. You, the, the, the reason that you have to do this, the reason this would be good for our political order is because it would show the libs, that there are consequences to their actions. It would discourage further predations on our political order. I remember the great, the late great historian, Donald Kagan, professor of mine in college, historian of war, and specifically of ancient Greece and the Peloponnesian War. And when he would get down to these margin calls, why did Pericles do this? Why did this statesman do that? He would say, my inclination as to what motivated this statesman in this action or in this, in this strategy, comes from one place, and it's the Brooklyn Schoolyard. And Because Donald Kagan grew up in Brooklyn, is kind of a tough New York kid, became a very distinguished professor. He said, the Brooklyn Schoolyard, the rules hold the same. The rules of war, the rules of politics, they're the exact same as when you walk up to a bully in the playground. Okay, and so if we do not push back, if we just roll over and allow the libs to start arresting the leader of the opposition in the United States. We say, well, we're preserving the norms. You're not preserving any norm. You're, you're helping the liberals to establish a new norm, which is that the conservatives never have a shot to win and 
if conservatives ever stand up against the regime in any significant way, they will be wearing an orange jumpsuit. Now, the silver lining for Trump here is they restored his YouTube account. <laughs> That's the, I just imagine Trump having a meeting with the regime, Trump having a meeting with the ruling class. And they say, hey, Donald, hey, opposition party, we've got good news and bad news. And what's the good news? Well, the good news is we're going to let you broadcast on YouTube again. So we're going to let you back into the public square. You can post videos to YouTube. Oh, great. What's the bad news? You can do it from prison. <laughs> There's trade-offs in life. And, and the timing is so weird. They announce this just as the rumors start flying that, that they're going to arrest Trump. It, it seems coordinated. It seems, and so much of our ruling class seems coordinated. The media coordinates with the government. Big tech coordinates with the deep state. We know that. They have regular meetings with the FBI. And the FBI says, don't post this story. It's going to be damaging to Joe Biden. Don't allow people even to privately message this story about Hunter Biden's laptop. Oh, okay, sounds good. And there's all this coordination that goes on. And now the very same day, hey, we're going to let Trump back on YouTube. Isn't that fair? By the way, we're going to arrest him. Okay. Meanwhile, what are the Democrats doing? Well, we just got new information from a House Oversight Committee that another Biden has been taking money from communist China. According to House Oversight, quote, over the course of several years, members of the Biden family and their, their companies received over $1.3 million in payments from accounts related to their associate, Rob Walker. Most of this money came as a result of a wire from a Chinese energy company and went not only to Hunter and James Biden, James is Joe Biden's brother, but also to Hallie Biden. Hallie Biden if I'm getting my Biden women straight, was, is Bo Biden's widow and then the paramour of Hunter Biden after that, as well as an unknown Biden. Who's the unknown Biden? One can only speculate. The corruption is barely hidden. I get, it's not even hidden. When Hunter Biden was on the take and he was being paid 50 grand a month or thereabouts, by a Ukrainian state energy company, Burisma. That was pretty brazen corruption. Hunter Biden doesn't know anything about Ukraine. Hunter Biden doesn't know anything about the energy industry. Hunter Biden wasn't providing any services to Burisma other than giving access to the vice president of the United States, who's now the president of the United States, who was, who was Biden's, I'm sorry, who was Obama's point person on Ukraine. I sometimes say O'Biden because it seems to be the same cabal of people. It, that was brazen, transparent corruption. Now, we find out the Bidens have been on the take from communist China. They haven't even really been, been masking it and washing the money through different people. The wire came from a Chinese energy company. So the wire came with direct fingerprints of the Chinese Communist Party on it. Are any of the Bidens looking at any consequences for this? No. No. If if the Bidens had used their own money to pay some alleged hush payment to a porn star, then they'd have the book thrown at them. But if they're taking corrupt money from communist China to sell American influence overseas, not really disclose this money, it's just coming out now. Oh, that's totally fine. Barely hidden. Two tracks of justice. And it's the squish conservatives who are the ones saying, well, 
we can't violate our norms. Maybe we should just let them arrest the leader of the opposition just this week because we don't like, he's very mean and sends mean tweets some, back when he was allowed to have a Twitter account. He, he does, and so let's just, let's just move on. Can we just move on, please, to, to preserve the norms in our sacred democracy? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think we can do that. Now, some people recognize that this is a pivotal moment in American history. This has never happened before. We have never arrested the former president and, more importantly than him being a former president, the current chief rival, the current biggest threat to the sitting president could be arrested. Some people recognize this, this might be a real turning point in history, including people who are also running for president, including people like my friend Vivek Ramaswamy, who had this to say. This morning, we learned that it is likely that the New York Manhattan Atter District Attorney is likely to indict a former president of the United States who is running for office. Now, I want to be very clear. I am in a presidential primary running against that individual, Donald Trump. But what I'm about to say has nothing to do with Donald Trump and everything to do with the integrity of an election and the integrity of a self-governing democracy. So I don't care whether you root for Trump or whether you don't. If you root for the integrity of our constitutional republic, then you need to be on the side of being really clear. We cannot have politically empowered prosecutors eliminating the opposition of a ruling party using arrest power. It is a sad day in America. So Vivek goes on and he calls on the other candidates in the race and the other presumed candidates in the race, people like Ron DeSantis, uh, to, to condemn this. As these rumors are flying, as these leaks come out, as NBC is reporting, yeah, Trump is looking like he'll be arrested. Before it happens, because once it happens, it's too late. <laughs> Before it happens, Vivek is saying, these candidates need to condemn this and make it clear we will not go along with it. Even though the other candidates in the Republican primary would benefit if Trump is arrested. They would probably benefit. Trump would get a big PR boost by being arrested. So in that way, it might help his campaign for re-election. But let's not fool ourselves. It would be very hard to run a presidential campaign from prison, <laughs> okay? It, we, we've seen this once before in American history, and that, that was the socialist candidate back in 1912, I think it was, and he, he got 8%, but 8% is not going to win you a race. So it, it can, or 1912 or 1920, might have been 1920. I'll look it up afterward. Uh, regardless, people don't win elections from prison. It would make it hard for Trump to raise money. Obviously, he wouldn't be out on the campaign trail. And I agree with Vivek's point. This is a turning point. We need a unified front. I see why other candidates, especially Ron DeSantis, who Trump has just been pummeling recently, he's been filing uh, complaints, ethics complaints against DeSantis. So I get why DeSantis wouldn't want to do it. But I think even just optically, even from the standpoint of self-interest, all of the other candidates should come out and condemn this right now. Because if a candidate is seen as benefiting from the blobs, unjust persecution of Trump. It is not going to make any primary voter more likely to vote for that candidate. I just, it just looks so bad. It, it, it makes the other candidates look like they are in cahoots with the deep state and the blob and the crooked libs who are arresting Trump. And so just even from the standpoint of pure self-interest, I think it would behoove 
the other candidates in the race, anyone who's considering running, not Nikki Haley is obviously in the race already. Tim Scott looks like he wants to run. Uh, Ron DeSantis obviously looks like he wants to run. Mike Pompeo looks like he wants to run. There are a lot of other people. I think it would behoove them. Get out ahead of this. If you wait until Trump actually is indicted, it will be too late. And people will remember that it is too late, okay? Not a great time for our country. Great, great opportunity to pray for our country. And one great way to organize your prayer life would be hallow. Right now, go to hallow.com slash Knowles. During this season of Lent, we are called to abstain from luxuries and instead more deeply embrace our faith. Coworkers around the office have mentioned giving up coffee, booze, social media. But how about using this time to start building a habit of prayer and meditation? Join me and thousands of others on Hallow, the number one Christian prayer app in the United States. Hallow is helping all of us to maintain a daily prayer routine, and it can help you too. Download the app for free at hallow.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. You can set prayer reminders and track your progress along the way. Not sure where to start? Well, check out my favorite podcast, Father Mike Schmitz's Bible in a Year, available on the Hallow app for brief daily readings and reflections, or pray alongside Mark Wahlberg, Jim Caviezel, and even some world-class athletes. With Hallow, you can customize a personal prayer plan that works for you. Listen wherever you are with downloadable offline sessions. Download Hallow at hallow.com slash Knowles and get an exclusive three months free, which will carry you through Lent and Easter. That is three months absolutely free at hallow.com slash Knowles. My favorite comment on Friday is from Up All Night Reviews 869, who says, Every time I drive past a car lot and see one of those inflatable air dancers, I hear Michael crying out, January 6th. So I, I haven't thought of that before, but you're right. That is, that is, and it's not just me crying out January 6th. It is me channeling all of the libs who have told us now for years that their chief priority is the preservation of our sacred democratic norms, our principles, the, the importance, it doesn't matter who wins the elections, it's the importance of our sacred temples of democracy. Oh, we can arrest Trump? Yeah, throw him in the paddy wagon, send him to Gitmo. Let's do it, baby. On what? Some, I don't know, who cares? You can indict a ham sandwich. Find something. You show me the criminal, I'll find you a crime. Throw that guy in jail so that we can more easily preserve our sacred democracy. Yeah, okay. I'm not really buying that. So anyway, what is Trump doing right now before he gets arrested? Trump is calling for, among other things, the immediate end to the war in Ukraine. Here's his argument. We have never been closer to World War III than we are today under Joe Biden. A global conflict. So there's one exception to what Trump is saying. He says, we've never been closer to World War III than we are today. The exception to that would probably be the Cuban Missile Crisis, where you had a U.S. blockade, you had Soviet weapons into Cuba, potentially could kick off a nuclear war. That might be the exception. But that exception, which Trump is not acknowledging here, I think actually sheds light on the rest of Trump's proposition on how to de-escalate in Ukraine. Between nuclear armed powers would mean death and destruction on a scale unmatched in human history. It would be nuclear Armageddon. Nothing is more important than avoiding that nightmare. We will avoid it, but we need new leadership. Every day this proxy battle in Ukraine continues, we risk global war. We must be absolutely clear 
that our objective is to immediately have a total cessation of hostilities. All shooting has to stop. This is the so this is a redefinition of the goal in Ukraine. Joe Biden doesn't seem to have a goal. So I guess it, rather than a redefinition, you could say it's a definition. Trump is saying the United States interest in Ukraine is to stop the war. The, the Biden administration and the blob, in as much as they have an objective in Ukraine, it is to keep it going, to not give Russia an inch, to drag this out until Ukraine is in the Euro- European Union, until Ukraine is in NATO, perhaps. Until, to, the administration's goals only seem to escalate the war. Trump is saying, my objective here is to stop the war. This is the central issue. We need peace without delay. In addition, there must also be a complete commitment to dismantling the entire globalist neocon establishment that is perpetually dragging us into endless wars, pretending to fight for freedom and democracy abroad, while they turn us into a third world country and a third world dictatorship right here at home. Here we go. Real key here. Trump is saying this, this neocon establishment, the war machine, the military industrial complex, whatever you want to call it, they are constantly pushing for more and more war. In their defense, I'll take their side for a second. The argument for that more and more war is that the United States is the global hegemon. We do run a global empire. And to paraphrase Pericles, Maybe it wasn't wise to amass that global empire, but it would be more dangerous to let it go than it would be to maintain it. So we really are the world police. We get a lot of benefits from being the the largest empire and most powerful empire on earth. And so we've got to maintain that empire. Okay, fair enough argument, even somewhat persuasive. But then Trump points out the flaw in that argument. He says, the problem with that is we say we're spreading democracy overseas. We say we're defending freedom and democracy, but what's happening? All the while we're doing that, we're eroding freedom and democracy at home. And of course that is the case. We've greatly undermined democracy. I mean, you see this on the most important social questions of the day. You saw this on the issue of abortion, at least until last year. But from Roe v. Wade until last year, some handful of robed lawyers on the Supreme Court took the question of abortion away from the people took that out of democracy. The definition of marriage, when the definition of marriage had come up on ballots, even in liberal California, it had been shot down, the suggestion that we ought to radically redefine marriage to take away sexual difference. So what happened? A robed romantic poet on the Supreme Court by the name of Anthony Kennedy decided to wax philosophic and poetic and radically redefine marriage from the bench. That whatever you think about gay marriage, quote unquote, that obviously is a diminishment of democracy. On and on and on. We're we're seeing less and less democratic control, even over our our public square. In a self-governing republic, speech is politics, politics is speech. So you think the people ought to have some say over who gets to say what and where, but that's not the case because the blob has outsourced the censorship and policing of speech to a handful of billionaire oligarchs in Silicon Valley. They're not accountable to the democracy in any way. If, if, if you suggest, hey, maybe the vaccines aren't as great as people told us. Hey, maybe COVID's not as dangerous as people told us. Hey, maybe there were some shenanigans in the 2020 election. You could be nuked from outer space. You wouldn't have any 
any ability to, to, to appeal that in the public square because Google, Facebook, and Twitter control 90% of the flow of information around our republic. So you're seeing democracy ebb at home. You're seeing freedom ebb at home. We're not even allowed to decide who gets to come into the country anymore because we don't have borders for any practical purposes. Meanwhile, we say we're spreading democracy and freedom and nation building abroad. And Trump is saying, the more we focus on that and the more we insist upon that as an imperial objective, the less say we're allowed, we can give people and we can afford to give people in our own country. And so, so at the same time, paradoxically, democracy and freedom diminish at home. And Trump says, we got to end that. We got to end that so that we can build up our nation here at home. And it's a strong case. He says, we're closer than we've been to World War III. The one exception shows you Trump's thinking here. Because what the neocons and the war hawks and the uh, empire builders are arguing is that if we look weak right now, that's going to invite more aggression from Putin. That's going to invite more aggression from Xi Jinping. That's going to invite more aggression. The, the moment we pulled out of Afghanistan in that disastrous way, it invited Putin and invited Xi. I don't deny that. But that doesn't mean that the only option is World War III. Think about what happened in the Cuban Missile Crisis. The, the official storyline is Kennedy stood firm and he stared down the Soviets and then they pulled their missiles out of Cuba. Well, that was only half the story. The other half of the story is Kennedy agreed to pull his missiles out of Turkey, which was one of the provocations that led to the Cuban Missile Crisis in the first place. So the U.S. was allowed to save face, was allowed to look strong, but we did make certain concessions. And the same is going to have to happen in Ukraine if you want to bring that conflict to a close without escalating to the point of potentially World War III with a nuclear former superpower. That's what's going to have to happen. Whose foreign policy has been more realistic? Whose foreign policy has been more successful? In my lifetime, the most successful foreign policy by far has been Trump. George H.W. Bush can make a play for it a little bit, but when you look at the years after and, and what happened in Iraq and elsewhere in the Middle East, uh, I'm not, I think Trump takes the cake. Why? Because Trump is unpredictable. So you don't know. One day he's talking like the doviest dove. He never wants to use the military ever. The next day he's dropping the mother of all bombs. The, the one day he's saying, I'm not going to start wars. I'm going to bring peace to the Middle East. The next day he's killing Iran's top general. Completely unpredictable. And unpredictability is really, really important here because if you're Vladimir Putin, if you're Xi Jinping, you will, Putin obviously wouldn't have invaded Ukraine under Trump. He didn't. Trump is the only president on whose watch Vladimir Putin has not invaded a sovereign country in tw over 20 years. George W. Bush, Putin invades Georgia. Obama, Putin invades Crimea. Trump, Putin just kind of chills. Biden, Putin invades further into Ukraine. Why? Because Reportedly, Trump said, hey, Putin, if you invade Ukraine, I'll, I'll hit Moscow. And if you're Putin, you're thinking, this is almost certainly a bluff. But there's like a 5% chance that it's not a bluff because Trump is crazy. And he calls nuclear dictators in North Korea short and fat. And when they threaten nuclear war, Trump says, my button's bigger and my button works. And this madman might actually do it. You just don't know. You don't know. 95% chance, it's fine. 5% chance, you can't take that risk. You can't take that risk. It's a, it's a foreign policy alternative. We, I, we haven't seen this from basically anyone else in our whole lifetime. And there's a lot of wisdom in it, as far as I'm concerned. Speaking of conflicts at home that we're neglecting while we engage in empire, Layla Jane 
is an 18-year-old detransitioner. She's a girl who was pushed into transition, all these horrible mutilations and chemical injections when she was a little kid. Now she's 18, and she says she greatly regrets it, and she's suing her doctors. Here's her story. I really want to say that Put I a pause don't right think there. I... You can hear it right away. The people who tell you there are no long-term consequences, it's all totally reversible if a child starts to transition and then stops transitioning. It's no big deal. This girl's voice is quite deep, and it's going to be deep for the rest of her life, and there's nothing to change about that. This girl has aspects now in her body which are quite masculine because she was pushed into this as a kid, and there's no reversal for that, and someone has to be held accountable, as she says. I should have been allowed to change my sex before I could legally consent to have sex. Overall, I don't think I'm better off for the experience, and I think transition just completely added fuel to the fire that was my pre-existing conditions. Her pre-existing conditions. She's talking about psychological conditions. Conditions that I am not even allowed to mention on certain big tech platforms. I am not even allowed to suggest that transgender identity has significant, let's say, overlap with other conditions, let's say. Am I allowed to say that? Can I say that one, censors? Layla's saying that. She's saying, this happened to me and I wasn't treated for other conditions I had. I was treated as though I were really a boy and now I deeply regret it. They did this to me before I was even legally allowed to consent to sex. Uh, Her lawyer is our friend Harmeet Dillon. Here's what Harmeet says. She was not given the mental health treatment necessary, and it was not disclosed to her family or to her that, that for example, uh, teenage transitioners desist from transition at a 80 to 90 percent rate, that the majority of people who go through this uh, regret it later on, that it wasn't a solution for her mental health problems, that many girls, in fact, most girls probably struggle with puberty. And so it is our position legally as a matter of law that informed consent was missing here because it is it impossible for a child to give informed consent and it is impossible for parents who are not fully informed and with a child that was not properly treated to also give that consent and laura an important point here is that you know, we, you've had me on with our client, Chloe Cole, as well. And Kaiser doctors use the line on her and her parents, would you rather have a live son or a dead daughter? The exact same mm. line was used in this case. So it appears to be a script that certain Kaiser doctors and psychiatrists are using on, on these victims. This kind of uh, butchery is totally irresponsible at the levels of the parents, yes, at the levels of the school, yes, but at the level of the doctors, okay? The doctors need, someone needs to be held responsible. And what you're going to hear from the squishes is, well, the doctors were just doing their jobs. Well, we shouldn't look, uh, people should be free to choose whatever they want. Well, Layla's point is, I can't be free to choose whatever I want when I'm 13. I'm I'm below the age of consent, okay? And for, for, these, these people whose job it is first to do no harm, to be making these life-altering decisions for me before I can consent, is deeply, deeply wrong. You know how it's wrong? You know how we know it's wrong? Because the federal government, which now pretends that 
transitioning at a very young age is wonderful and great, and we support transing the kids. Even the Biden official who is in charge of that, Richard Levine, who now calls himself Rachel, admitted in a clip that's now cropped up that he is grateful that he did not transition until he was an adult. I have no regrets because if I transitioned when I was young, I wouldn't have my children. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a life without my children. And so every experience led me to here. And, um, uh, and so how could I regret that? He makes a great point. Had he transitioned, that is to say, been castrated when he was a little kid, he wouldn't have been able to have children. And for so many of these detransitioners, one of the most painful aspects of the the regret is that they've been sterilized, that they've been castrated, that they won't be able to have kids. I look at my little kids. This is the the greatest joy that I can imagine in this world, at least. And you don't think about that when you're 13, when you're 14, when you're going through puberty, when you're going through an awkward phase, when you've got some anxiety about your body, when your friends are all wrapped up in this bizarre fad of gender ideology and you're sucked into it. You don't think about those things, but, but even just a few years later, even at 18, you can begin to think of that and say, oh my goodness, what have I done? And the children should not be held responsible for what's been done. The parents should, the schools should, the government should, and the doctors should. And if we don't hold them responsible, if we don't insist upon consequences for bad behavior, you're going to get more of that bad behavior. And that's unjust, certainly to the victims. It's unjust even to the perpetrators. We'll get into why that's the case in just a second. First though, it's easy enough to look around the world and even around our own circumstances and get a little bit discouraged. That discouragement can often seem insurmountable. But did you know the opposite is true? With a little encouragement, your whole worldview can change. That is what Jordan Peterson talks about in his new five-part series, Vision and Destiny on Daily Wire Plus. Here's a clip. You're not all you could be, and there's pain in that, and there's the necessity for a certain amount of judgment about that, and even a certain amount of exclusion, because what you are that is insufficient in some sense should be not be allowed to propagate further. But if it's conjoined with encouragement, it's like, yeah, you're in a rough situation there, kiddo. But, you know, here's some things about you that are virtuous and good, and they're pretty powerful, actually. And if you just made those more manifest, you could dispense with a lot of this immaturity and misery, and you could expand yourself out into life physically and psychologically. And you could start walking this pathway that makes things better. And the thing is that as soon as you start walking the pathway that makes things better, then things immediately become better because your whole orientation changes. And you know, if you're in a bad place, but you're escaping, that's pretty positive. Even if it's a bad place and you might think, well, it's still bad, but it's better. It's like, well, that's a lot, that's a lot better than a bad place that's getting worse. That's for sure, because that's hell. Hell is a bad place that's getting worse. The fifth and final episode of Vision and Destiny is out now exclusively for Daily Wire Plus members. Join at dailywire.com slash subscribe to watch Vision and Destiny. We've got to arrest some criminal libs in response to the libs potentially arresting Donald Trump. We've got to sue the doctors who transition, the meaning mutilate and castrate the poor little kids who they are leading into a gender ideology. We have to do that as a mercy, not only to the victims of these predations, but also to the perpetrators. And, and people, they don't think about that very often. But it, the enforcement of consequences is a mercy 
even to the criminals. You saw this, there was a video that went completely viral on Friday, and it's of a, a criminal busting in, walking into a Metro PCS store, and he's got a gun, he throws a bag down on the counter to the clerk, Basically, the clerk, sa- the, the criminal saying, fill up this bag with the money. I'm going to walk around here brandishing my gun, threatening your life. And just fill it up, totally casual. And what happens? The clerk is armed. This store had been robbed multiple times, but the clerk is armed. And so he pulls out his weapon. He fires. He empties this magazine on this criminal. Criminal dies. This video has been described on social media as the F around and find out video. It's very sad. We're we're blurring the image of the criminal because I I don't want to be airing snuff films on my show. But this is a case in which the the clerk was absolutely 100% right. Somebody walks in and threatens you with a gun, that person has surrendered (laughs) their expectation that they get to live. Okay, that is, that is a fight or flight kind of scenario. And that guy, who knows, maybe that guy's got a wife, maybe that guy's got kids, maybe that guy just wants to, has a, a natural desire to protect his own life. And he pulls that out and he says, I cannot allow you to threaten my life. Boom, 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 boom. Criminal's dead. For what? For what? For the prospect of making whatever pittance was in the cash register at Metro PCS and stealing some cell phones? For what? This guy threw away his life. Why was the guy impelled to rob the store? Because of his bad upbringing, because he violated the moral order, because he made a bad choice. Also because other people had gotten away with it. That's the most preventable part of the whole story. And it's the part for which the libs bear a lot of responsibility. And it's the part for which the bleeding hearts bear a lot of responsibility. And it's the part for which the criminal justice reformers bear a lot of responsibility. If they would keep their traps shut and allow law enforcement to do its job and allow criminals to face consequences, that guy would very possibly be alive today because he wouldn't have dared to walk into that shop brandishing a gun, threatening a clerk if he thought he were going to face consequences for that. It is, I remember at a, at a very, very small scale, I remember I was giving a speech at the University of Missouri, Kansas City some years ago. This was before the transgender topic became the biggest topic in the whole country. And I was giving a speech called Men Are Not Women and Other Uncomfortable Truths. And the, these maniacs at the speech, these leftist activists were screaming like banshees, like hyenas. You couldn't hear a word. They were guffawing and jumping up and down and really behaving like animals. And finally, though, they decided, okay, we're going to leave. Because I just kept giving my speech. One person, I guess they had planned this out. One person gets to the side, a little bit behind the podium and opens up a fire door. And I guess there had been another activist on the other side of the door waiting to come in and attack me. And he wasn't attacking me with a gun. Well, it was a type of a gun. It was a squirt gun filled with some kind of dubious fluids. We've never figured out exactly what was in the squirt gun. It was designed, though, to seem like a chemical of some sort. And the guy comes in, and he sprays me with the squirt gun. And I just feel a little bit of this squirt gun. And by the time I squared up on him, so we're talking about seconds, by the time I turn and square up on this guy, he is already down on the ground because there was a cop behind him. And the cop eventually, because he was fighting the cop, cop eventually tases him. And I look down at this guy's face. And I'm just watching this happen. 
And the look on the guy's face, it was not one of anger, it was a little bit of pain for sure, but the, the, the look that is seared into my memory is one of shock, surprise. He thought he was going to get away with it. And he, was, he couldn't believe that there would be consequences for his actions. And I, I don't want to sound like a big lib squish or anything, like a bleeding heart here, but I have some sympathy for him because he had good reason to think he would get away with it. Because the school took the side of the crazy leftist activists all the time. Because at events all around the country, in recent years we've seen at Yale Law School, at, Har- at Stanford Law School, the top two law schools in the country, these students behaving in exactly the same crazy, unreasonable way. And they get away with it and the administration takes their side. So this kid thought he would get away with it. it happened to be the case that at our events we don't let people get away with it. And so the guy ended up in jail. It's kind of the way markets work. Markets work on reliability, stability. Markets want to be able to predict what's going to happen. More than even they want a tax cut, they want a tax hike, they want this regulation, they they just want predictability, okay? And we have a country that is increasingly not predictable. And it's not predictable because we used to be a country of law. And we are increasingly a country of men. We used to be a country that was ruled by the Constitution, by law, law, Lady Justice blindly uh, meeting out justice. Now we are increasingly a country of the caprices of men, where if you're a liberal, you can commit all sorts of crimes, all sorts of corruption, take money hand over fist from Ukraine, from communist China. You, you You can commit and admit to countless crimes on your computer, on video, in your own words, implicating your father as the president of the United States, you'll get away with it. But if the regime doesn't like you, they'll find some bogus reason from seven years ago to throw you into an orange jumpsuit. And in that kind of society, in a society where people think there are not going to be consequences for their actions, the actions of the people in power and the reactions of the people who are out of power are increasingly going to spin out of control. That's just how it works. Okay, today's Music Monday. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. We will see you over at the Membrum Segmentum.